Hey, welcome back to another episode of Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. My name is Fernanda. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Dr. Linda. And today is all about prevention of breast cancer. The title of today's podcast is A Natural Prevention of Breast Cancer. And for this, we have an amazing guest that, that is going to be able to provide us and give us so much information. I'm ready to take notes. I'm excited about this topic. And if you watching have anyone who may be interested in this topic, please don't hesitate to invite them. Make sure that you share the video. Make sure that you are uh, really, you, you can be touching, you can be saving someone's life. If you have any questions, make sure that you put them in the chat. We can address those questions right with our special guest today. So very excited um, about today's topic. And Dr. Linda, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing amazing. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Of course, we get to catch up a little bit before we go on live, right? And uh, we always we have so much to catch up with. I'm telling you, we got to do it just sometimes cool. over, I don't know, a virtual tea or something. But hopefully, we'll be able to do it in person sometime really soon. But Wednesday, I love Wednesday. It's going amazing. And you know what's interesting? I often think of you like Wednesday mornings. Right now, I'm going through a Bible study, and it's all about the mindset. It's just so amazing. I'm like, oh, Fernanda would love this. I need to just send her that because it's just the power of the mind and how, you know, you heal, you can heal your, your body, your life just with thoughts alone. So it's just, it's really cool. And just the whole, um, we say neurology and neuroendocrinology type of um, impact that it has on our body. So it's really, uh, really exciting. But, you know, like you, I'm excited about today. You know, October is Breast Health Awareness Month. I mean, we kind of like to use the more uh, a natural approach. And a lot of people say it's breast cancer awareness. But I'm talking about breast health awareness because we need to actually um, – not get to the point where we have cancer, but do anything and everything to be proactive right now, because as many of us know that cancer just doesn't show up overnight. Any type of cancer, any type of illness, disease is a process. So we have an amazing guest who's going to share on on breast health awareness, um, you know, some of the symptoms, some of the stats, you know, what can we do? And our guest today is Patricia Bowden Licardi. She's been a keynote speaker. She's a holistic health coach. She's a very well sought after um, speaker, uh, even motivator, just the way she speaks. And when she just um, just enlightens a room, it's just so cool to see her in action, sort of speak. So we get to have her here virtually connecting with everyone. But I love her approach because it's all holistic. It's a drugless. It's it's natural. And she tries to teach you ahead of time, what can you do so you don't become one of the statistics? And we'll let her share some of the stats. But what I found was interesting, and this was in, um, I want to say it was in the breast, which one was it? Um, breastcancer.org. One in eight U.S. women, that's about 13%, will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of their lifetime. And in 2021, there's an estimated 281,000 um, approximately new cases of invasive breast cancer that are expected to be diagnosed in women in the U.S. And so those are some pretty high stats. And then 
43,600 women are expected in the US only to die in 2021 from breast cancer. So this this is real and you know, I really want to get into that today with, you know, what can we do? How can we um, take action? The best cure for disease is what? Not to have it, prevention. So I'm excited to have her on. And if we bring her on, that'd be awesome. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I am I am jumping out of my skin. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am too. I am too. And especially now with those statistics that Dr. Linda shared, mm -hmm. it is more important now than ever to be aware and be conscious about our decisions and to be aware of what can we do before anything even shows up in our bodies. How can we prevent anything from even coming on? And if we do have it, then what can we do about it? So I'm excited to have you here with us today and for you to really share with our audience a lot of information that is so valuable and can perhaps change so many lives. So thank you for joining us today. I'd like to add to those statistics because cancer is expecting to increase 30% in the next 10 years across the board. But what we're looking at is that... Um, Eight out of ten of these cancers are coming from environmental toxins. Uh -huh. We know that you know men are getting breast and little girls are starting to develop earlier, and male frogs have uh, eggs on their testes, and uh, male fish in estuaries are becoming female. So this is one of the driving causes of the uh, kind of the malfunction, the breakdown in our breast because our breasts are the canary in the mine. So we really have to also look at the toxins that our breasts are exposed to. Absolutely. And I want to uh, perhaps start off by, and I know that Carlinda shared some stats, but if someone is out there and listening and it's wondering even what are the symptoms of breast cancer? What are the symptoms that one should be aware of and maybe just paying attention to that may not even know that something's wrong? So what, what, what can someone look for as far as symptoms? Well, there's dimpling. There is uh, breast change in breast size. There is um, a secretion from the nipples. If there's a lump and it's hard and it doesn't move, you know that's something to look at. Um, uh, and and uh, Dr. Christian Northrup says, if you ever dream or your intuition tells you it's breast cancer, listen to your inner voice. But um, what I'm seeing is a thermographer. I do thermography. Um, that's the earliest detection of breast cancer with infrared. And I have a practice in New York City. I am seeing an overabundance of women coming to me with dense breasts. And Dr. Linda, you obviously know about dense breasts, right? 49% mm -hmm. of women have dense breasts and it's not abnormal. But if they are relying on conventional screening, because of the density, it has connective tissue, uh, fibroglandular tissue, and it's white on the mammogram, and it's very hard to see. So if women are relying on main, I would say, conventional screening, looking at anatomy and not heat, the chances of them getting breast cancer are 75%. There's nothing wrong with having dense breasts, but if they're using that screening, they're going to get false negatives. Mm -hmm. What I've seen more of is women with fibrocystic breasts, and that could be lumpy, but that's also known as estrogen dominant. And mm -hmm. um, it shows up in tomography looking like leopard spots. So we see it in men, we're seeing it in teenagers, 
And these cannot be, these are estrogens that can't be uh, tested on hormonal, uh, routine hormone testing because it's coming from outside of our body. There's xenoestrogens. And you think about, well, you know, I avoid plastic bottles and I, you know, don't use saran wrap. But, you know, I'm sorry, but my yogurt comes in plastic container. It's so mm -hmm. hard to stay away from plastic. So we always say, don't wait until you find something. Do a thermography. Thermography can you can bring a child in because it's just your body in front of the camera, unclothed, and it's giving off infrared information. That's all it is. It's just heat. Um, cancer is hot, and nothing else isn't. So if it's a lump, bump, or a cyst, it's not hot, then it's benign. So it cuts out eighty percent of biopsies. That's pretty big. That's National Institute of Health. That eighty percent of biopsies from a mammogram are benign. Well, that's the good news. But then why being biopsy? Because now they're knowing the biopsy can actually do metastatic breast cancer. But from the age of 20, women should start seeing the condition of their breast because they can see in live time what's on their breast. What's the toxins? What does it look like? What's the lymphatic backup? I mean, it's to me, it's like a no-brainer. I want to know what my breasts look like. I want to know the toxins that they're carrying. And I want to see six months later, after when a detox and a protocol with natural you know, so forth, M, iodine, those plants that our breasts love. But then you see six months later, like, yes, my breasts love this. You look They're healthy. So you, you mentioned something um, interesting because when there's a lot of recommendations for mammograms at a specific age, and I believe it's more like in the 40s if you're if there's a history of breast cancer in the family and usually right around in the 50s, you know, for a lot of women and it's like tested, I think it's every year, every two years. But what you're saying right now, too, is there has been an increase in breast cancer as a result result of um, a lot of the environmental toxins. So what are the biggest ones that, that that's, you know, maybe not so obvious or obvious to people? What, the toxins? Yes. I mean, something every day. You just named like the containers we get our, our yogurt in, but there's something that everybody comes in contact with every day. Well, there's bisphenol A, there is um, phthalates, and uh, then they found that almost all women had, uh, oh my goodness, I'm going to go blank. Uh, it's the one that's in the other um, Oh my goodness, I'm going blank on it. Well, aluminum? No, it's not aluminum. We see aluminum in, in, um, in a lot of the... Um, trying to get my audio here. And in a lot of the deodorants. Yes. Well, anyway, the chemicals that are in the deodorant. Um, and we're also, uh, we're looking also, you know, in Chinese medicine, it's not just that, but they say, you know, there's a deficiency and then the excess. We're living in an excess of toxins. And we're also living in a uh, deficiency of uh, like vitamin D, of iodine of magnesium, not that magnesium would affect the breast, but on the breast level, we're, you know, we're seeing huge deficiencies in iodine and, um, and vitamin D. And they've actually done studies uh, at University of Albany. They took breast cancer cells in a Petri dish and they put vitamin D on it, high levels, in two days it shriveled up. And you know how they found the connection between the um, environmental estrogens and breast cancer? is that I think it was at Duke University, they had the, um, the test tubes, they had the breast cancer cells in it, and they started proliferating. They were like, wow, where's this coming from? They realized that the test tubes were leaching. 
So what they did, they took all these household plastics, they chopped it up, they put it in a petri dish with some saline, and it was like gasoline on fire. The breast cancer cells were proliferating. So it's, uh, you know, if we live in a time of plastic. Did you ever see that movie, The Graduate, Dustin Hoffman? You girls are too young for that. Yeah. No, but anyway, they said, son, the future's in plastic. Mm -hmm. and, and it is right now, unfortunately. Yes. Patricia, you mentioned that a lot of breast cancer diagnosis can be missed by following the, the traditional, the conventional mammography route. Correct. And when I was in clinic and I was doing a lot of breast uh, exams, digital breast exams, I was also... In, at the time, I was working at a, uh, at a university hospital, and there was a lot of studies going on that even digital breast exams were not even recommended anymore because you can miss so many of those lumps, especially if the, the, if the breasts are, are very dense. So keeping that in mind and keeping that maybe the digital breast exams, so by that, I mean, when we check our breast at home, you know, when we're laying down and we're, you know, touching it over to see if we feel a lump or going the mammogram route, which is kind of what's recommended and what's standard over there, may be really missing over, I mean, a very high number of, of uh, potential breast cancer diagnosis. Sure. So what you're saying is that um, by doing these new or maybe not new, new to me, I didn't really, or I don't really know a lot about it, but by doing this thermography, people can not only find it early, but they can actually detect changes way before it happens. Exactly. So why is this not common practice? Like where, if I want to go and do this, where do I go? Who do I talk to? How much is it? You know, is it covered? Is it not covered? Can you give us a, a, a little bit more information about these? Yes. Well, it was covered by insurance until 1986. And the mammography lobby came in and said, this is the gold standard. So it was actually uh, given bad press for 10 years. It's been used since 1956. The military uses it for espionage because anything that's alive has heat. Um, so they were saying, oh, well, we get too many false negatives because if it's, uh, and they would go 10 years later and wherever they found that cancer, the heat, they always found it 10 years later because it shows up and we can't say eight to 10 years because the FDA said, well, there's not enough study by the University of Wisconsin to say, eight to 10 years, it's gonna show up in the same place. And it's not 100%, but it's physiology, it's heat, and it's looking for, it has to be coupled with anatomy. So we use thermography with an ultrasound because it's environmentally safe. But there have studies um, on mammograms and you know it's on the news one day, it's gone the next. And it was the Journal of American Medicine. It was a 30 year study and the British Medical Journal. And they found that the increase in cancer it's really not saving lives per se, but the harm outweighs the good. So ionizing radiation is the most dangerous. And if a woman does have dense breasts, that could be only a 28% sensitivity with a mammogram. So it's looking like, like looking at a snowball in a snowstorm. It can't be found. Um, I don't know why they continue to radiate a woman knowing that she has dense breasts and they know they could just read it on their website that's not the most effective test and just let her have an ultrasound. But if they do, what's called 3D tomosynthesis or digital mammography. It has a 60% uh, sensitivity, that's still a 40% failure rate, and it delivers 38% more ionizing radiation. So, you know, radiation is what we wanna stay away from. And of course, mammograms have saved many women's lives, but it's on the model of once they find it, it's treatment. 
it's not prevention. So um, if you know about angioneogenesis or the beginning of a new blood supply, the tumor starts to be hot and then it starts to become metabolically active and it starts to replicate and it creates more heat. Well, the camera, the thermography camera, infrared, is just picking up a signature of heat and they go, well, that's the signature of cancer. But it could be years before it becomes an anatomical structure. Even if it's tiny, 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 it has to be seen on a x-ray, an MRI, or a mammogram. So that means treatment. But we want to be dealing with what we're seeing before it's actually physically being seen. Because if a woman finds cancer through the conventional screening, and there's that push to do the, you know, to do all the treatment, you know, do the biopsy, do the mastectomy, do the radiation. Well, it's been there for quite a long time. She's got time to think about her options. But we want to deal with it before it becomes an anatomical structure. Right. Well, the interesting thing that you just you you mentioned earlier too is for us to be familiar with and aware of our bodies. A lot of the times, you know, when my husband always reminds me when I go on a road trip, walk around the car, look at the tires, make sure that the tires have air, that there's no flat, you know, and, and just to walk around and look. But yet we don't do that like on a daily basis when you look at your body, it's like, oh gosh, I have a mole there. What the heck? Or even just looking at the shapes of, you know, of your breast um, or even something like looking at your stools when you go to the bathroom and nobody ever does that when, but when you're, when you have kids and they're babies, the type of bowel movement they have indicates a whole lot. And it's the same thing with our bodies always giving us clues. It, we live in a 24 seven. So it's very important for us to be aware. So, you know, what other things other than the obvious that you mentioned for that, there's a possibility that a person could have um, breast cancer um, besides everything that we, we mentioned about the discharge, the, the shape of the breast, the dimpling, you know, sometimes there's pain, even just pain in the general area. Um, are there anything else? Um, sometimes night sweats, is that something that you see? And, and is this also common with men? The symptoms, you know, it's kind of a loaded question there, huh? <laughs> There, um, we're seeing increase in male breast cancer. And my last three case studies were on men with breasts. One had a mastectomy. Had a phone call last week. Uh, oh, my friend has uh, he has breast cancer. I didn't hear back from him. But um, I did have two cases of women who had inflammatory breast cancer, and that could never ever be seen on conventional screening because it's heat. Um, you know, they say one in eight women get cancer, but I'm not seeing that much in New York City. I mean, I'm seeing a little increase in 10 years, but what I am seeing is this increase in estrogen that you never know when it's going to flip a switch, you know, because that's heat in the breast. So, um, but you know, we always say look for dimpling, look for, you know, if the, oh, if the nipple is tender. Um, and it's interesting that coffee, caffeine turns estrogen to 45 minutes. I'm sorry. Can you repeat? You can you repeat that? I said, um, coffee turns into estrogen in 45 minutes. Wow! I had a woman from Brazil who was a coffee addict. She was covered like a leopard with estrogen. So again, 45 minutes estrogen turns into 
coffee turns into oxygen. So are there studies behind that? I'm asking because I, I love coffee and I just gave coffee a break for like 75 days because I was going through a transformational challenge. However, you know, a, a lot of people enjoy coffee. I mean, is there a difference? What is it in the coffee? I mean, whether is it organic or is it not? Is it the way it's processed? You know, where where do the studies come from as far as um, that there's a link there? Well, I really, do. I, I know that our doctor, Dr. Sepper, who is our lead doctor at Breast Dermography International, he has 38 research papers on breast cancer and dermography. And he has a PhD, he's a GYN, but he has a PhD in the science of dermology. And on our website, btiscan.com, he actually talks about the estrogen and coffee. All I know is that for years, you go to your, um, your gynecologist, and if you had tender breasts, they'd say, get off coffee. So I don't know where the link is there, but I know when I drink coffee, I get a stinging sensation on one of my receptor sites. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, I drink organic coffee, but well, I couldn't know that that's that. So I wonder, could it be the caffeine? It's something so I'm interesting. I'll, I'll have to look that up because I'm, I'm such coffee. a nerd. <laughs> it's to do with the coffee because you don't get the same thing with green tea. Because green tea is actually, those phenols are good for the breast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, very interesting. So, Patricia, I am listening to you explain more and more about the thermography. And again, I'm not, I'm learning, right, as I go. So I want to understand it very well. And I want to make sure that the audience also understands. So years and years before there is even cancer actually showing up in your body as a lump, you can detect these changes. You can see heat in your breast through a thermography. Correct. Now, if you notice, if you're doing a thermography for someone and then you see that there is a change, there is heat in the breast, but then you send them for any other study, it's probably not necessarily going to show something if it's 10 years before actual cancer appears. So is that the moment where you recommend lifestyle changes? Is that the time to make those changes? So the cancer that is perhaps starting to kind of show up in the, in the sense of heat in your body does not actually come out to be a lump and you know um a you know a, a bigger problem at the end or once you see the heat is it already kind of too late like you already have it and it's going to come on on the other side if there is changes what are those changes that need to be made well they're okay for instance i have several women who they did have a signature of heat uh, there's nothing being shown on a mammogram or an ultrasound. Now, these, a lot of them do have dense breasts. We, I send them in New York City. I don't know the rest of the country, but I say, well, why don't we follow up with a, um, a 3 and 4D ultrasound? It's very advanced. It can almost take the place of a biopsy. You can see if there's vasculation there. Um, there's the RGCC test, and it's called the RGCC Greek test like Greek Isles and that is a very advanced tumor marker and they can see if there's a uh, circulating tumor of the blood and they put it to about 40 different natural compounds um, like sulforaphane, uh, dim, uh, broccoli seeds, poly, MVA, so many things and they make and they can even do um, uh, chemotherapy with it but it's very personalized for that particular blood. And I've had three women, one even had um, ovarian cancer, they went into remission. So the blood testing is something and then they wanna monitor it. And there's the AHCC mushroom that comes out of Japan 
that has over 20 uh, human studies. One is on breast cancer and it turns off breast cancer stem cells. And those are medical mushrooms and they're using over a thousand clinics throughout Asia. And what it does, it increases. We, we know that, well, why does anybody get breast cancer? Why does anybody get cancer? There's a break in the immune system. But if it can increase the NK killer cells by three to 800% within a month, the dendritic cells, the white blood cells, the, um, the key cells, that right there is gonna give a woman some stamina in protecting her body with any cancer. Sulforaphane, they found that the seeds of broccoli, not the, I mean, we know about the broccoli sprouts and a lot of companies use the broccoraphanine, but now they found through Johns Hopkins that the sprout, I mean, the seed actually has more efficacy than the actual sprout. And again, it goes in and, and turns off breast cancer stem cells. Vitamin D is an apoptosis, it, it uh, kills uh, cancer cells. Iodine. We're short in iodine. Our breasts love iodine. If an animal is um, uh, kept from iodine, if she, if iodine deficient, then they'll get lumps in their mammary tissue. So there's actually women that can uh, that are healing themselves with iodine. There's, it's not a one size fits all, but I just like to put them all together. So massage our breasts with iodine. So I wanted to show, um, see if we can pull this up so we can see uh, an image of this, but just something that you just mentioned with um, breast cancer. Is it safe to say that pretty much all breast cancer that you have seen is because of the abundance of estrogen, the body's inability to rid of it via the GI tract, via the, um, the uh, liver primarily, because those are detox pathways. And a lot of times people forget that um, the gut is very important also in metabolizing estrogen. So is it safe to say that the majority of breast cancer is of estrogen dominance and the body's inability to break it down and rid of it in a non-toxic way. Is that safe enough to say? Well, I would say yes, maybe. I had a client recently, a patient, and she had, he always asked, do you have root canals? If uh, a person is going to these cutting edge cancer clinics, say in Mexico, um, they will not treat a person if they have root canals because every tooth sits on the meridian point. She had tumors on her right breast, and she um, had a root canal sitting on her breast meridian. She had it taken out. She Her bloods are getting better and better, and the markers are going down. So what we see almost always is I don't even want to do blood exams anymore. They want to um, pull upper body because we're seeing drainage of the mouth going into the back. Is that some kind of noise? Uh, your your audio is a little bit muffled. Let me see if I can bring this on. I'm, I'm not sure. Let me give this a try. I wanted to share share um, share something, see if that shows up. Um, not sure if this will show up. So I don't know if you all can see this. Uh, you, did you screen. click share? I did. So let's see. Maybe it's here. Can you all see that or no? No, no, nothing. No? Okay. Well, 
I'll forget it. <laughs> I can't see that. So any because I wanted to see if we can share like an image of what it looks like for for Fernanda, something that you can see. However, I mean, we can, we'll post some links here in, in that, but basically it's like, like you were saying, Patricia, it looks like, like a hotspot. So it looks like, you know, there was red and, and you can tell when you're, when you're comparing, it's kind of like when you take x-rays, you have to compare both sides, like the left shoulder, the right shoulder, the left knee, the right knee, so that you can see. But anyway, so a couple other things that I think um, would be great for our audience to know, because you do, you know, you do speak on this, um, you know, nationally, maybe even internationally with, you know, and just informing, educating um, the audience that, can you review a little bit about some of the uh, blood markers? I know that I run some, I run a lot of labs with patients and, and even with some women, I'm like, you know what? It doesn't cost a whole lot more to run some of these basic markers um, for, for cancer. The most common would be like this, the 15-3, CA-15-3, and there's also the CA-27-9, 27-29. Those are just more like screening, and it really doesn't cost all that much, you know? It, it's really almost like less than 50 bucks. And people can pay the extra, you know, out of pocket. So can you share a little bit about um, some of the markers? I know there's even the carcio, um, carcinogen embryonic antigen as well, um, in addition to you know, the screening and the self-evaluation. Right. Well, my, I can't speak to that because um, I'm a technician and I, my expertise lies in detoxing the environmental estrogen and supporting breast health. So a person, a woman shows up with cancer or a man, then that's given to the functional do uh, medicine doctors that I work Got with it. within their expertise. So that's kind of out of my expertise because that's not what I'm trained in. But Got I would really like to speak about bras because there mm -hmm. is something out there called the link between called dress to kill, the link between bras and breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And those underwires do nothing for our breast. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It blocks the lymphatic drainage. And uh, a lot of the breast cancer is found in the outer quadrants where there's uh, backup. And in my book, Thermography and the Fiber Sister Condensed Breast, I interviewed several lymphatic uh, therapists. They said because the way the lymph goes from right to left, they see an abundance of uh, lymphatic drainage in the left armpit. And we never talk about the lymphatic system. And they said, when I met a, uh, I had a patient that sleeps in her sphinx, sleeps in her sphinx. Can you imagine why somebody would do that? Sleeping with a bra on, sleeping with a, with a sports bra. The only time our lymphatic system gets drained is when we sleep at night. You know, but don't be afraid to touch your breast. When you take it off, massage your breast. You can drain to them. Let that lip drain. People are couch potatoes. But there's a link between our breasts are pendulous and they are run a degree too pure. And we keep them stagnant in breasts all I mean in bras all day long. It creates it creates lymphatic backup. So again, going back to the lymph and what we see with oral drainage into the into the mouth and into the lymphatic system, there's a big connection between breast health and oral health. So I say go to a biological dentist. You know? If you have root canals and you're sitting in the back of your mouth, consider taking them out. Because they're always, yeah. always playing. You can verify that with your market. 
And there has to be a, a special type of dentist that does perform the removal of, um, you know, any amalgams as well, any any fillings, and it has to be someone that's um, as it has done, does it through the Hutchins method. So I don't know if you're familiar with that because there is a specific way to remove them and you have to prepare the body for that as well. So that's interesting to see that combination. So in addition to some of the some of the you know what you've mentioned, the awareness, examination, thermography, proactively, if you specialize more in detox of this, you know, give us like a, like three three things that people can do so that you know, besides one, women removing their bras or, you know, not sleeping and, and not wearing with those um, bras that have wires and the push-ups and so forth. Um, give us some other strategies that, you know, what we can do. Well, besides doing tomography, um, lymphatic drainage is brilliant. Uh, women who have lumpy breasts, they uh, get great results from one or two lymphatic drainages and you can find uh, root. What do you mean by lymphatic drainage? There are therapists that do, there's two kinds of lymphatic drainage. One is called Botter's uh, technique, and it's done with the hands very, just the weight of the hands. It's like a breast massage. It's on the, on the body, very gentle. It's hands-on. And the other one is called the Lymph Star. They are um, machines that move the lymph with a, a wand that has an ultraviolet light in it. They go a little bit deeper. But many women who have lumpy, tender breasts, that get results after a lymphatic drainage. Um, again, it's, 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 it's letting the lip drain from under the arms, you know, um, under where the bra would sit at the sternum. Um, increasing fiber in the diet because the estrogen is taken out through bowel movement. So the more fiber we have, the more flax seeds, you know, that helps remove the estrogen. Um, uh, what else are we going to talk about? Um, Lost fiber, lymph. Uh, our breasts love everything green. Green juices, green, green, green. What makes the breast the best breast wouldn't be like French fries and wings, right? We want to have healthy breasts, even though you're not the, you're not nursing. But the breasts thrive on on sulforaphane, broccoli, the cruciferous vegetables, garlic, grass, all things green, and uh, red meats not so kind to our breasts. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, exercising. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of uh, the, the questions that I had for you going back to the thermography is uh, because that's such an important thing for prevention of breast cancer or early detection uh, also. When should one start to go to get screened with thermography? At what age and how often? Well, I would say at the age of 20, because our largest um, organ is our skin. So whatever we put on our skin is absorbed in, you know, what is it like 28 seconds, like a, one of those like you know, patches for the heart. And you think of young girls, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to Sephora, uh, Sephora, they're buying, you know, cosmetics and almost every cosmetic out there has endocrine disruptors in it. So um, if you can't eat it, don't put it on your skin. So I would say, you know, moms, let your, your daughters come in at the age of 20, but our doctors would be the one to decide there's always going to be a six-month follow-up because there needs to be a baseline. And they want to compare the two because it's what the breasts look like today. It's going to look like in six months, and then it's a yearly follow-up. And if it's suspicious, it's three months. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things, you mentioned the bras. You mentioned environmental toxins. You mentioned 
uh, estrogen. You've mentioned, um, you know, increasing in greens also to help prevent. You've mentioned fiber. I think one of the things that uh, that is so so important and that I have come to uh, learn more and more and more and be super interested in it's the, the level of stress that we live under and what stress and living under chronic stress has uh, as a consequence in the body. Mm-hmm. And I think it, not, not just in breast cancer, but in any other type of cancer, because we are increasing that um, cortisol which increases inflammation or causes inflammation in the body. And then inflammation turns out to cancers and other chronic uh, diseases like diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease and and more. But cancer is one of those things. And so being uh, aware of of also the level of stress that we are putting ourselves under, right? And so how much stress are you living under? Not not just how much you're eating, that's super important. Not just, uh, you know, how much water you're drinking, not just are you using the grass or not, but also considering these parts. So it's not just about checking and being proactive in, in regards to like going to do screenings, but also monitoring that and uh, when I started understanding a little bit about the stress and the connection that it has with inflammation and uh, other diseases I was I was like you know I was blown away and so I think that's also important to mention I don't know if you want to add anything to that or if you have anything more to say about stress I just wanted to bring it up because it's such so important well for many years I was a breath educator at a um fabulous place called Canyon Ranch Medical Spa in Lenox, Mass. I don't know if you know Dr. Mark Hyman, and he's a mm-hmm. most, foremost a functional medicine doctor. And what happens when we get stressed out, we start breathing high into the chest. And that's a, that's a sympathetic nervous system breathing. Mm-hmm. And it's very common to have acid reflux, panic attacks. And more people go to the hospital with over breathing, anything over 16 breaths per minute, is considered hidden hyperventilation and it affects all the metabolic system. So you can go to the doctor, the hospital, and you say, well, you know, I'm having panic attacks in my brain. My heart, my heart is pounding. My, my belly is aching because it goes to every part of the body. But um, learning how to breathe and slow that breath down with an inhale five and exhale 10 is also a public speaking exercise that will calm you. But as you elongate that breath and breathe into the belly, I had a gentleman the other day um, just wired to the hilt. He's in Wall Street, you know, in finance, you can imagine, 40 years old. He was breathing high to the chest and he had acid reflux, high blood pressure, and he was having panic attacks and he was breathing, he was chest breathing. So yes, breath is very important with stress. Just breathe deeply from the belly. And uh, you know, from wearing tight pants. And think about people sitting at the computer. <laughs> at the computer, you cannot breathe. In <laughs> you're sitting at the computer. So um, I'm a big component of breath. So they can just, if they're working at home, I'm like, okay, just sleep, just have your pajamas on from the bottom down and your nice right. top from here on it, and you could relax and breathe. Yes. Uh, I and I love I love how you bring that in because that's something that's so simple that we can apply in our life that has a vast um, 
impact in, in every area of our life. Because as you mentioned, Fernanda, stress, because it comes in a physical form, a chemical form, an emotional form, the body doesn't matter what kind it is, it's going to react in the same way. As a lion is chasing me, or I'm not getting, I didn't get my order from Amazon within 48 hours, like they promised. So we get upset about it. So, you know, and I really love just even just like, um, kind of like a baseline what you were saying about just this, I'm gonna do this when we're done. The 16 breaths and say, okay, how many breaths am I taking in a minute? Because that's so simple that we could change, um, that we can change. But you know, I really just wanna thank you and acknowledge you for what you're doing and going out and presenting this information in a fun, interactive way. And just, I've seen you on video and your presence is just, you know, it's just very um, contagious. And people just really connect with you because they feel like you really care and you want to change the world and and we totally can connect with people like that right <laughs> Fernanda and it's just it's so amazing so I just want to acknowledge you for just everything that you're doing and I appreciate it and thank you because it just it just kind of forces us to level up our game you know just a little bit more mm -hmm. And Patricia, one more thing also before we go is what do you have any any websites or any resources, anything that uh, our audience can go back and just inform themselves a little bit more about anything that we talked about today? Where can they find you? Okay, my name is Patricia Lucardi. That was actually misspelled down there. It's L-U-C-C-A-R-D-I, uh, patricialucardi.com. That's my website. And I have a book called Thermography and the Fibrocystic and Dense Breast, a radiation-free survival guide to happy, healthy breast. And um, uh, the company I'm with is btiscan.com. It stands for Breast Thermography International.com. We are all over the country. We have, um, you can go to the website. You can find a practitioner near you. You can read about fibrocystic breast. You can see uh, case studies. You can listen to videos. We're all about education because you know what? Most women don't know their own anatomies. They don't know their own anatomy. 10 years, I'm telling women, touch right before, right, at, right above your areola, and they're grabbing everything short of their knees. I'm going, do you know what your areola is? <laughs> no. I mean, come on. We don't even know our own bodies. So we have to get familiar because when you're empowered to know how your body works, then you don't give your power away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so empowered because you know what we do not. We want to keep our breasts the rest of our life. And same, same with even learning about the thermography, um, you know, and and being able to go to their provider and ask, okay, what is it, and can you right. tell me more about it, and can you say, can you give me an order? Does these, uh, am I, you know, am I a good candidate? Can you, you know. But we don't know. You don't know what you don't know, right? And so if somebody who is a specialist with a title is telling you this is the way to go and you're just going to go get mammography starting at the age of 50 and you don't know any better then you cannot advocate for yourself. So well, as what about what are doing 20 and 50? What's going to happen there? There's no speed. Right. right. All the changes that are not being detected. Right. And so as you know better, as you educate yourself, you are empowering yourself and you can advocate for yourself in a much greater way. So I really, and that's what we said at the beginning, right? This information can really change lives because as you become more empowered, you can advocate for yourself and for others as well. So well, let me just put this last one in. Um, 
most doctors because they're not familiar. So they say um, thermography doesn't work. There's no science behind it. There are over 800 um, published articles on breast cancer and thermography in the Index Medicus. So it's been there for a long time. Again, it was covered by insurance until 1987 or 86. And, and what would be wrong with trying to get more information? You know, we're right. just trying to acquire more information. Nothing wrong with that. So um, again, it's safe for any age. You can bring a baby in. You can be nursing because it's just it's just imaging the heat that's being radiated out of the body. Mm-hmm. And we all have infrared uh, heat coming. From. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Very powerful. Thank you so much, Patricia, for taking the time to with us. I appreciate it. And I was taking notes. I really learned so much today. I got to go back and kind of just rewatch it again and see what else I missed. Uh, But I appreciate it very much. Thank you you so much. Thanks again. Thank you. We'll see you guys again. We'll see you all next week. Yeah, uh, Pacific time. I think the time is changing next week. No, not not yet, right? In two weeks? November. Yes, okay, a couple weeks. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week at the same time. Thank you again for connecting with us. Have a wonderful day. Have, see you all.